Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie watch and discuss Amazon's The Wheel of Time. In this special season of Not the Beginning, we'll be discussing season one of the Amazon Prime series, The Wheel of Time. Note, at the time of recording, I have finished reading through The Great Hunt, but have not read further. If you have not read Robert Jordan's The Eye of the World and The Great Hunt, please proceed with caution. Warning, this podcast probably won't be suitable for younger audiences, and will definitely contain spoilers. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing episode 6 of the first season of The Wheel of Time, The Flame of Tarvalin. If you have not seen through The Wheel of Time episode 6, please proceed with caution. I have mixed feelings about this episode. Yeah! The, the high points are really high, but I think this is the first episode where there are changes that I neither agree with nor understand. This is the first time they've made changes that I just don't know how they're going to deal with it. Yeah. I, I have, they've earned enough trust in me to where I'm not like severely worried about it, but I'm, I'm a little worried about it actually. Because it's not like the I said I hand thing with... That ultimately is a to me, but I understand it. Like, I don't like it, but I understand it, so it's fine. But, yeah, the stuff with, uh, the stuff at the end, and, like, I think for me, the whole episode was fine. Like, I liked most of the episode, but the ending was just bad enough that it kind of just brings the whole episode down. Yeah, on a second rewatch, I think I mostly agree with you. There's a little bit of stuff throughout the, like, the main body of the episode that I disagree with, or not that I disagree with, but that I think causes problems. But the ending is what really, like, it just ended on a dissonant note. Yeah, it just, uh, like, it just doesn't make sense to me, and I don't know why they did it. Yeah. I also think that what we're running into here is the limitations of them having eight episodes instead of ten episodes. When we were watching through it the second time, I, I found myself wondering, why are they spending so much time on Swan as a character when we haven't really developed all of the Evans fielders yet. Like, we get more of Swan character than we do of, like, Matt and Rand. See, I disagree there. I feel like they've spent as much, at least on Matt, they spent as much time developing Matt as they did Swar- uh, Swan. <laughs> Swarin. Swarin. Uh, uh, but that's a problem. That's a problem. If there's an epi- if there's a character that's been around six episodes that you have only spent as much time developing as a character who's been in one episode and who's probably only going to be in that one episode this season. I think Matt's been pretty well developed. He's not been For, poorly developed, but he's he's been one more developed than he was in the books. At this point, that's very true. And so, like, if you're doing a book. This is a book adaptation. One of the things that I didn't like about The Eye of the World as a book is that I didn't care about the characters. The reason I latched on to Lan and Nynaeve so early is because they were the only developed characters. That's that's very fair, and I think that that is definitely something that the show is improving on. Like, Moraine has a lot, a lot of development given to her, which is fantastic. And, and I love... so does Matt and Perrin. Not Rand. <laughs> Not Rand. We, we again continue the kind of trend. <laughs> It has more personality, but that could just be the acting. I think that's just the acting, because we said this last time, Rand's character right now is just kind of as a hanger-on to Egwene and Matt. Yeah. Like, there's not, I mean, they had a little bit of stuff with Dana back in episode three, but that's been it. 
Yeah, I, I, I like he had some stuff in episode one as well, but not much. It was all like Wayne centric. It was Tam centric too. There was a whole scene with him and his dad talking about their mom or his mom. Yeah, but we're introduced to him and it's about Egwene and he leaves because of Egwene and then later he's still talking about Egwene and then <laughs> he continues to travel because of Egwene. This is something we've discussed and I don't think we're ever going to see eye to eye on this. Is that Rand has no character in the eye of the world whatsoever so whatever they've shown on, on screen of him right now is already 15 times more than I got in the book. Yeah, I mean I, yeah, I don't think we're going to agree on that. But like that's why I didn't like Eye of the World because we spent so much time in Rand's head and I just did not care. Yeah, I care about this Rand. Either way, Swan has had as much character development, given more character development than Rand in the show, and as much as Matt. And Matt's been around six times as long. They did because the, the so like the intro. I I liked the intro. If it had been an, a 10-episode series, I'd be like, yes, that is a very good intro. Because it gives you a lot of depth in, on Moraine, not Moraine, on Swan. It gives you a lot of kind of like incidental knowledge about how like people who can channel aren't necessarily seen the same everywhere. You, you know, you can kind of contrast Tyr, which is where they were, to the Two Rivers, where Nynaeve is wisdom and she can she can channel and people kind of, they're, they're not like, oh, she can channel, but they, they know something's up. And they're putting her in a place of, they're, they're elevated. Or they're putting her in a place of power where in tier they're burning Swan's hut down. Yeah. I So I, I I really like it, but in eight episodes, why are you spending your time on that? When... I think that'll come I think that'll become clear later. I hope so. I, hope, I don't think I don't know that it will this season. Especially setting up the Swan and Moray and stuff. I think if the first real lengthy introduction we had gotten to Swan was her as the Amerlin, basically like ripping Maureen a new one. Yeah. It wouldn't make their relationship make any sense. We had... She needed to be humanized first. Yeah, and I... Again, I agree. I like the scene. But I think with the show that we have, I think it could have been two-thirds to half as long and done its job, and that would have left room for other things. This was a very Moraine episode. It was not an ensemble episode. Other episodes have been ensemble episodes. This was a Moraine episode, which is fine. Good, even. I loved it. I loved the Moraine bits. I didn't like the other stuff. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think like I'm not judging it as harshly. I enjoy if I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it. If I don't enjoy it, I don't enjoy it. That's fair. Like I'm not I'm not looking at it so have like as heavily. That's fair. But to be fair, I've only read two books and I started them eight months ago. Right. You've been reading this book series for twenty years. So like That's true. <laughs> for close to twenty years. Yeah, it's been a while. So like I can understand, but right. also it is a TV adaptation, so like you and can, that's why can, you can give it some slack. Oh no, and that's why I absolutely do. In some places, like the hands thing, I don't like it, but I understand it. The like Power Ranger Aes Sedai, I get it. I don't like it, but I understand it. You need to you know visually set them apart from each other. There are a couple changes that I absolutely understand and like. I really like that Egwene is Tavirin uh, because she fucking is Tavirin. I hope that they. Don't don't make Nynaeve Tavirin, but that's just because Nynaeve isn't Tavirin. She's just Nynaeve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of, I mean, they're kind of getting at that in the book. She's like, she's too old, but holy shit, is she powerful. But like, 
also she's just she's just like that it's not because right. it's not because the wheel is dictating it it's just pure force of will right. on Nynaeve's part right it's not I, the wheel wills yeah it's Nynaeve wills yep <laughs> so like I like I like that change that Nynaeve not Nynaeve that Egwene is to Viren. I like some of the changes that they've made to the like I liked I like aging them up I like making Rand and Egwene a real couple not like this like kitty sort of like teenage almost couple um I I liked Perrin kind of being married I don't like that they killed his wife off but I I liked that he was married and that he you know was an established person I liked a lot of the changes that they made as a result of aging them up felt natural and I liked them there are changes that I'm neutral on I'm I think overall neutral on the dragon potentially being any one of the four, not the five, because I think Nynaeve's right out. Yeah. I, I'm neutral on that. There there are things that I like. It's it's It modernizes a little bit of the series that needed modernization. Because it, you know, it was it progressive for a book series written in the 90s by a cishet white man? Yes. Published in the 90s. Written in the 80s. Published in the 90s? Yeah. Yes. However, this is 2021. Right. We don't need Some to... things need modernizing. I like a lot that Moraine and Swan are in a full, honest-to-God relationship. Swarame. It's great. And it's it's a relatively large departure from the books. There's there's some of it in the books, but there's not a ton, and it's not explicit, and it's not present. It's not the it's not their current reality. And that their current reality is that like they're in love. Yeah. Deeply. Because like at the end when, you know, our Moraine is being exiled and they're swearing that oath, like there's a deep love there and it, yeah. the words that they exchange are very much like they sound like wedding vows. They do. Or oh, well Moraine's sound like wedding vows. But like there's love there. Yeah. And, and I think I... that's why I like if they had cut if they had cut the the swan intro a little bit shorter. Okay, yes, but I think we needed to see her in order to really understand I agree. why her and Moraine were a thing and we needed to understand like So the thing that I am the thing that I wish they had done is I, I'm fairly certain that there is a deleted scene where Moraine, Loyal, and Lan are going over the ways. And I wish that they had cut the swan stuff in half so that we could have gotten that. <laughs> I really liked the swan stuff, but I also kind of needed to see some more about the ways. Yeah, especially because they've changed the ways a little bit. Yeah, this is the, the main change that I disagree with and do not understand. So at the end of, we're just going to skip all over this episode because the episode kind of skips a, a little bit over the place. It's, there's really not much except... It's, it's it, a middle episode. It's soaring and then the ways. That's ba- yeah. that's basically all that happens. Yeah, so at the end, they're going to the Eye, which they claim to be the Dark One's prison. I think that that is a trap. What I think is going to happen there is I think they're going to get tricked into breaking a seal. Oh, like they did in the book. Right. Well, they weren't tricked into breaking a seal. They were... the. There were two forsaken there. Like, there's a good reason to go there. Anyway, so they they go to the ways. Matt stays behind, which we'll, we'll get to Matt. Matt stays behind, the rest of them go, but... The way gate is a giant stone structure in the middle of nowhere. Yep. Not a door, really. Kind of like a doorway. It's like an archway, except there's not really an arch. It's yeah, like a... there's uh, a couple structures like it that I don't remember what they're called, but there's stuff like that around. But uh, 
Moraine channels to open the way gate. And I don't like it. I don't like it. There's... It's, a, it's a big change, and it's I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but it has just like ridiculous implications all over the place for current plot, world building, and general lore. Yeah. Because the ways were built dur- during and after the breaking by male Aes Sedai to help the Ogier travel from steading to steading. And so if you need the one power, how the heck did the Ogier use it? Right. No Ogier can channel. It's not a thing their species can do. Why do they even need loyal? I th- well, like I mean, yeah, sure. The the like the guidings could still be in the Ogier script, and it could take a Ogier to read them. But why is that a thing for something that requires channeling to get into? Yeah, I don't understand what that's about. And also, if it was built the same way, why is Moraine able to open it? It was built exclusively by men. That's why Imagine Shin exists. How does Imagine Shin exist? And Pat and Fane is supposed to follow them. Yeah, and if yeah, it, I. I don't understand. How does he get it? I mean, maybe Leandrin could open it. Maybe Padden Fane is the man in North Harbor. Maybe. But I doubt it. Yeah. And, I mean, I could be wrong. I'd be thrilled to be wrong. But how is Padden Fane getting in there? How do the Trollocs get to the two rivers? Because the tro- that, that's how the Trollocs get around. Right. I mean, yes, they could have a black sister do it. But that just it doesn't feel right. No, I don't understand it. And I hope we get answers for it. The other thing that they change is that they can't bring the horses in. Which just... I get for, like, horse actor reasons. But they also just, like, send them off without anything. They're just like, bye. And the horses run off. Well, no, there's... They have like, a moment. Land and Moraine each, like... I feel like they're, like, communicating to their horse somehow. But how? I mean, I believe it of Mandarb. Less of Aldeeb. More of Mandarb. But, like, they don't talk. They don't say anything to the horses. I would imagine that Mandarb the warhorse is trained well enough to run back to his stables. But the rest of the horses get sent off, too. Where is Bella? <laughs> I need Bella. That is also, like, they can't have killed Bella. Because, like, they How made a point. How does one kill God? That, and they even mention that in the x-ray on yeah. one of the episodes. They're like, Bella is believed to be the creator by most fans. So, like, I do not, I, I do not believe that Rafe would kill Bella. I don't. I don't either. But what the hell is happening? Where is Bella? I mean, I guess we know that Gwen has to go back to the tower at some point. But, like, we haven't heard from Bella since, since Shatter Loga. Yeah. So, like, and that's how they keep getting, that's how Bella survives Shatter Loga is because of Gwen. Yeah. Uh... So, Bella's gone. There's no way Bella followed them. It's, she's just a horse. Like, well, Bella is God, so. But, like, where? God is a woman. God is also a horse. Where is Bella? Yeah. Let's rewind a little bit. There are two scenes, three scenes in particular, that I really want to talk about. And they are the three strongest scenes, sort of not in order. <laughs> The first one is the after the cold open, when we're in the hall. And yeah. we have Loghain presented to the Amerlin, and also Moraine, Leandrin, and Alana kind of answering for their battlefield justice, as it were. The Loghain and the Amerlin stuff is really good. Again, all of the Swan stuff I like, I just want more time with the others, too. I'm also just really impressed with all of the Loghain stuff. Oh my it could have been it, like, not it, good. It could have been not good. It, instead, what we got felt like an absolutely natural expansion of what we have gotten so far in the first two books. Yeah. So Loghain is brought before the Amerlin, who orders him unchained because she's just like, you're just a man. 
who can't channel. What are you going to do? And he doesn't even do anything. He just stays where he's he, he was thrown. He tries to provoke her, though. He's, he's like, bringing up how a hundred years ago, if anybody had dared to speak out, against the Amaralyn seat, he would have been killed on the spot, and instead, he had an army at his back. And then he talks about killing Karene, and he says it, like, very hostily. And it felt out of character when he first said it, and then when Soraine responds... Soraine? Soraine. I'm gonna do that. When Swan responds... It, it, it makes me real. Like yeah. you realize that he's just trying to provoke her into killing him. He wants to die. He wants to he's die. He's been gentled, and he he has no reason to live anymore. Which does make me think that he's not going to be some sort of religious zealot for Nynaeve, which would no. have been an interesting storyline. It would have been. I, I would have really enjoyed that. But he's just uh, alas. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really like here is a kind of continued again. There, there's something off about the show that I can't quite put my finger on because so much of it is so good that it's casted excellently. It's acted wonderfully. The sets look pretty good. The effects are not not my cup of tea, but I understand that they look pretty good. So much of it is good. There's something that isn't sitting right. And I think it's separate from my knowledge of everything of like the main beats. Is it like visually? It's kind of as a whole package. But one of the things that I think that they do particularly well that a lot of shows don't do well at all is subtle, nonverbal, or subtext hints. The Swan and Logan scene is a really good example of that, where Logan feels weird. It feels like he's acting off even for a crazed man who's been gentled, and that's because he is. And we've seen them do subtle communication with Moraine and land before. And this is kind of the opposite where there's subtle communication happening between Logan and Swan and Swan calls it out. Yeah. And it's the right decision. It's the right decision to make that explicit there. Yeah. Instead of having it indicate a connection between two characters. Because it's indicating Swan's perception. She knows what Logan is trying to do and she's rejecting him because she's in charge. Yeah, it's a it's a power move. It, it's a huge power move. And she does that the entire time. <laughs> basically. Right. She does that when she's talking to Nynaeve and Egwene. She does it when she's talking to Moraine, although the the nonverbal subtle stuff there is more about their connection to each other. Yeah. But she's doing it the whole time, and you know, a huge amount of credit goes to the actress. Yeah. She's doing a fantastic job. Especially based on like, you know, like just that level of like anger she had towards Moraine in the in the hall versus yeah, it was... when they, you know, sneak off to whatever weird plane to right, be and... lesbian lovers in the nighttime. <laughs> And watching it in, uh, watching it a second time, it's different. She has different levels of anger towards the three eyes that I that she's sort of chastising. Leandrin, she just straight up dislikes. Alana, she thinks has been swept up in it. Mm-hmm. Alana has, and Moraine, she's angry with because she just hasn't seen enough of her. Yeah, and she's not as she's not really mad at Moraine when it comes to the uh, like Logan Logan stuff. stuff. It's when Leandrin is a bitch and brings up the fact that like she's been gone for she's two been years. gone for two years and the and they the 
I said I have nothing to show for it, so what has she been doing? Right. And Moraine's like, I can't say. Yeah, so here's something that has me wondering. This is another departure. There are implications to using the oath rod above and beyond swearing oaths that cannot be broken, mm-hmm. which is part of why I don't like... I, I, I liked the result, but I don't like how it happened with the oath rod later. But since they've opened the door to using the oath rod for more than just the three oaths, I'm wondering if Moraine has sworn an oath not to reveal her mission to anybody who hasn't been inducted, basically. Yeah. It, it is interesting because she says, I cannot say, and then... Swan's like, you can't or you won't, and then Moraine just doesn't say anything. Well, she says, I cannot. And well, she does, she doesn't say anything. Sorian's like, on your knees, Swan. Swan. (laughs) Well, they both say it at some point, but. That's true. Different context. Swan's like, get on your knees, Moraine does, and then she asks again, and Moraine's like, I can't say. Right. Which makes me wonder, like, she can't, Moraine can't lie, she's sworn an oath. Maybe she'd literally sworn an oath to not reveal her mission. Yeah, and I think I would like that. I would, I would, I would kind of be okay with that, but I, it just, this is just because I, I understand that this is just because I've read the books and they could change it. It will, it will have other effects that I don't think are necessarily huge. They could get around it in, in, in a specific, in a, in a easy way though. But it feels very sort of, I don't know, almost violating to make somebody swear an extra oath. Like if, if you can just make people swear oaths for punishment reasons what's what's to stop a tyrant Aes Sedai or a tyrant uh Amarillan seat from swearing from having people swear loyalty to themselves directly or to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do I can see that I don't know anything about the Othrod because it hasn't this is the first introduction I've seen to it it hasn't been introduced in the books yet so I don't have much of an opinion. I just really liked the scene that they used it in. Yeah, it was good. It was a good scene. So the the middle scene, that's the third scene that I want to talk about. The middle scene is m- more Soiree stuff. It's all Soiree stuff because this episode was 90% Soiree. Yeah. The middle scene was them in the, I'm going to say, like, dream hut. I think it was just another plane. Okay, that's that's fair. I feel like it could have been like a Turing-Griol sort of situation. Yeah. Because, like, you know, the... What happens in a Turing Griol actually does sort of happen. Right. Like, you're physically there. So I think that's kind of what it was. Yeah. Okay. But, but it's some sort of magic shenanigans happening there. Yeah. Because, and I think it's, the thing that makes it especially clear to me that it's some sort of magic shenanigan is that when Swan starts talking about her bad dreams, it starts thundering. Yeah. And that shit doesn't happen by accident. No, it doesn't. Anyway, I just really, I really like the time that we spend there. We get a really good glimpse as to the sort of power dynamics of Soiree as a couple. Yeah, because, you know, they're talking and Maureen's like, well, do I have your forgiveness, Mother? And she's like, I hate it when you call me that. Yeah. So it's like very clearly, like, when they're there, she's not the Amarillin. And they're right. just... And maybe even Maureen's in charge. It's, it's more, it's not like a... 100-0 thing as yeah. it is on the outside. It's more like a 60-40 thing. I think Moraine is potentially more personally driven Yes. than Swan, who is there to endure. And I think, like, between the two of them, they have a differing power dynamic than they're supposed to have as yeah. Amarlin and Aes Sedai. Yeah. Or and even I think that's something two sisters. Yeah. And I think that's something that, like, we pick up on several times, not even just in that scene. You know, like, Lan is 
is talking to Moraine because she shielded their bond. Right, which is something that apparently they can do. Apparently. And she's like, I would have thought you'd like the break. And he's like, you're not safe here, so don't do that again. Right. <laughs> he's like yelling at her, basically. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, you're right. And he's like, wait, what? But he says, like, give her my love. Right. Meaning Swan. And then later when Nynaeve and Egwene are talking. There's and... only one woman the Amberlynn seeds seat waits for, and it's not, not you. <laughs> Which is very clearly, like, it's me. Yeah. No, it's good. And I feel like this was really the episode where I could kind of forget that it was Rosamond Pike playing Moraine. Like, she did a really good job with this episode. She did. And I think it helps that... For, I. The costuming was different for her. Yeah, here. Got... and I think the wig was different. I think they figured out the wig in this episode because at no point was or was I like that's a wig. Well, it to I mean it's one. It's several different wigs because yeah. they're you know she has up and down. And... She has the per, she has the updo wig. Yeah, and then there was probably a second updo wig that she could undo because mm-hmm. they're like if you've got an updo, you got to put shit ton of pins in there, and she just right. undoes one pin and it all falls out. So like that was clearly. Yeah. a wig purposely just for that purpose. Then there was the second updo, like her half updo. Yeah. She's got, she doesn't just got have one wig. She's got wigs. She's got like Daenerys level of wigs going yeah, on. Yeah, and they're all like, better than they were earlier in the season. <laughs> yeah. And so I think they've either, they started to figure the wig out or like later in the season, they started blending it better into her hairline. Or something with the lighting, which is, I think the lighting is partially why why something feels off. It, it feels a little, I don't, I, can't, I don't know lighting, but or, it feels or off. Just getting used to seeing Rosamund Pike with brown hair. Could be, and the her, the makeup they put on her was different too. Yeah, because she's not traveling. Like, yeah. she was kind of dirty. Like, she got cleaned, but like, she wasn't like in yeah. a well lit. She for the first like five episodes, you know, she's a little bit dirty, traveling, she's tired. Two years. She's been traveling for two years, and finally she gets to like have a steam bath and like right, you know, just be oh. generally. No, and the so one of the things that I really wanted to talk about about the kind of hut scene is so there was the power dynamic but then they also talk about one of I think the most foundational differences in lore here one that I agree with too they talk to at some length about how they're not sure that the prophecies that they have are accurate I liked that explicit acknowledgement of that yeah it's not some it's something that wasn't really acknowledged in the books but like you if you translate something enough times there's bound to be miscommunications yeah. Like, if you take one phrase and you translate it back and forth from two languages, you're going to come up with something completely different yeah. than what you started with. And, and that's liked... basically what they're getting at with these prophecies is yeah. that they were, they've been translated over thousands of years. And I like that they've done two things with it. They acknowledge that there are prophecies that have been translated over thousands of years, and so they've probably been distorted. And also, they acknowledge that Swan and Moraine both had and were present for a direct prophecy that was not translated. It was a dream. Or uh, it was, it a, was a foretelling, sort of like a vision, but also isn't. It, it's a prophecy. They were both directly present for a prophecy that they got that is relatively unambiguous. Yeah. The dragon was born on the slopes of Dragon Mount. I, I guess it could be different for the show, but they know when and roughly where the dragon was born. Yes, because they saw it, like, someone they, had a vision. Firsthand that was not translated yeah. or distorted in any way. So they're balancing the 3,000 years of prophecies that they have with the one that, that only they know about. Mm-hmm. And it becomes clear, like, they're, just their struggle becomes clear here and how they're both, how, how it weighs on both of them. 
Because something that they do talk about, you know, that she said that they when she got to the two rivers, uh, Moraine said that five. she found five potential dragons, and Swan's like five. And Moraine says she hasn't eliminated, and she hasn't really eliminated anyone yet. Right. She thought she had eliminated Nynaeve, but Nynaeve is too powerful. And so, like, even though she's not the right age, you can't really discount her power. And then they talk about the dragon possibly being split, which I think is an interesting idea. It is. I don't want them to do that. Absolutely not. (laughs) Just as an addition of an option, I really like it. Like the the option that in future turnings of the wheel, the dragon could be two or four people. So I don't like it as an option. I like it as something that happens as a result of decay over time. Like I like that prophecies and stories exist about it, but I don't like that it could actually happen. I don't like the idea of it actually happening. I mean, I don't really care what happens in further turnings of the wheel. So, That's like, fair. if it could happen in a further turning of the wheel, cool. Whatever. <laughs> it does, as long as it's not this Yeah, one. it doesn't really affect anything if it happens later. Right. Like, who cares? Right. But we do get a really good view on the roles that they have taken for themselves in ensuring that this happens. Swan has become Amrilin. She's in charge, and she's going to make sure that the world holds itself together. At least trying. And... She's losing her grasp is something that someone mentions. Yeah. And Moraine makes a joke of, like, on her sanity or on her seat as Amarlin. Yeah. And uh, Moraine is out trying to find and guide the dragon. It does make me question if Swan, if Swan, damn it, if Swan is unseated as the Amarlin, mm-hmm. like, how does that work? Does she just, is it like a president? Does she just get voted out of office? Or is it like Marie Antoinette and like off with her head? I don't know. Probably not on... really off with her head, but like off with the powers. Yeah, it probably depends on who's doing the unseating. Like, can they just quietly unseat her and she still keeps her powers? Or like, if like, if, if it like, it's the blues, because Swan comes from the Blue Aja. If it's the Blues, they probably would allow her, you know, to resign and go off and and live her days in exile, but not. If it's the Reds, they're probably just going to fucking still her. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Swan is very much in power right now. But but she is losing her grasp, and I think she can feel it. Yeah. Which leads us a little bit to the oaths at the end. Yeah, so sort of the background is that one of the Blue leaders, they're called sitters, the people like sitting around mm-hmm. the Amarlin are sitters for the Ajas. There's three of each. Nope. One of the green ones is missing because she got killed. But right. so Mygen, the blue sitter who talks to Moraine in the bathhouse is like, I'm going to intercede with the Amarlin to make your punishment less severe but you have to stay here. We're, I'm going to make you stay here and help the blue Aja. Which, if the point of the blue Aja is to go and collect secrets, how the fuck are they supposed to do that from home? She's being grounded. She's basically being grounded, yeah. Like, they, they, want, they want to lock her in the tower because she's been gone for too long and they don't know what she's doing so they're just gonna punish her right and so in the hut moraine's like my punishment has to be exile because the blues want to keep me here which like damn both of them are willing to pay that cost because they clearly love each other very much yeah they they mention how you know they wish they had more time and they always think they're going to have more time yeah and you get this impression that like they have not been around each other as much as they need to be around each other both like just sad 
Yeah, just for both for each other as people and for their own relationship. Yeah. Which they, it's a testament to how strong their relationship is that they can survive on these like evening meetings once every two years. Basically, and they have to be on this like weird plane because that's not allowed. Right. Like there's no way that that's, this relationship would be allowed. Right. Like the Amerlin isn't allowed to pick favorites. Right. Like d- definitely not. Aside from the keeper. <laughs> There's like a vice Amberlynn who's not really a vice Amberlynn. More like a. I didn't like her. See, they could have developed her. Like, just tell us that she's the keeper and let it be a minute. Like, I, I. She's just like this weird. What... She was just this weirdly severe woman with a staff that she kept banging, and I'm yeah. just like, why? Yeah. So this, you, you've hit a nerve. The show seems very willing to explain new things when they come up with stuff. They're like, oh, look, it's new, it's shiny. We're gonna explain it, and very not. Not willing to hint at or leave a mystery open for things from the book. I mean, ultimately, I don't think the Keeper matters. And I didn't need her to be explained. I specifically just didn't like the actress's portrayal of that's how that character would be. That's totally fair. She was just too severe and yeah. just didn't no, match but, the mood. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I think that that's probably the right choice. But several times now, they've, they've looked at something from the book and we're like, okay, we're going to make this real simple and then we're going to add a complicated thing later that we're coming up with the white cloak thing we have in one episode shatter logoff which is interesting and and textured in the books and in the show it's like okay creepy evil city and in the same episode at the beginning they have a white cloak who's burning Aes Sedai at the stake <laughs> and they give more attention to that later because Egwene pairing get captured by Balda and the dagger shows up and it's evil but they kind of leave it at that yeah and, and the white cloaks are clearly going to come back up and it gets resolved very quickly that is another thing that happens this episode yeah so we lose dagger mat um, we lose dagger mat which honestly fair like yeah I, did I like the storyline in the books? Yeah. It, yes. It wouldn't work very well for a show. No. Yeah, I was already kind of getting tired of seeing him be a jerk. Yeah. So before we get to the last Soiree scene I want to talk about, let's talk about Dagger Matt. Moraine heals him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's short. Moraine heals him alone. It's not a big deal. She, he, she tries to stab her, same as before. And she channels the Shadow Logoth madness out of him and back into the dagger. Yep. Uh, although she takes a little bit herself. Yeah. Not a ton. It doesn't look like a ton. Right. But it, like, travels up the power kind of like the taint or the corruption. <laughs> this is the show. It's the corruption. Fair. But I just, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. I thought, I think it was interesting. And I think that healing Matt early just... <laughs> It leads works. to some it leads to some like complicated questions that they have to answer, but I think it's all things that they can answer in a good way. Yeah. It does leave questions of like what happened to the dagger and is Pad and Fane going to get it? Yeah. Well we know he's in Tarvalon. Yes. So he could get it. Like how? Because Lan has had it, and I'm assuming probably that... left it behind. They're not gonna travel with it. Like it's gotta be locked up in the tower somehow. Pen Payne's a dark friend. There's at least one member of the Black Aja in there. That's true. Landon could get it for him. Right, but see, so that is a change that I like and do not understand. Why they healed Matt early? Yeah, or why they healed him so early? Because I mean, it's really early. 
he hasn't been healed at the point we're at in the books yet. No, and honestly, I understand why. It is a it is if you have to cut stuff for time. That's a good one. Like it's yeah. it, I understand it just from a like an adaptation point. Like it is a huge part of book two, and it's the only reason that book two takes so long. Yeah. So well, okay. I, I say I don't understand. I don't understand how they're going to resolve it in the ways that it needs resolving. Okay. But I like it. There are there are changes that I don't like, but I understand the hands. The the dragon I am neutral on, and also I understand it. The hands I don't like, but I understand. The, the color coding Ajas, I don't I don't like, but I understand. This one is the opposite. I understand or I like this change. I don't understand where they're going with it. That's fair. I don't necessarily like I'm willing to just let it kind of be yeah. what it is. It's not that big of a change. And honestly, if Pad and Fane never gets the dagger, from what I know, it's not that big of a deal. It's a very big deal. <laughs> like, he could just be evil in some other way. Like, he could have taken something from Shatter Logoth when he was there, and it would have had the that, same effect. That he could have done. Like, it does that's, that's evil in the same way. That's evil in the same way. He doesn't have to take this specific thing thing. No, very true. It could be something else from Shadow Logoth, but it has to be from Shadow Logoth. Yeah, because he has to have that like corruption, but like it doesn't have to be this item that he takes from yeah. Matt. He has to hit every every point on the corruption trifecta at some point. Yeah. He has to have Shadow Logoth corruption. He has to have Dark One corruption. He has to encounter Mashin Shin. Yeah. He's which gotta is do all of that. Why I don't understand the, the ways, ways thing, thing oh but we've already discussed it. Yeah. Like, let's talk about the last Swa Rain scene. Let's quickly, before we do that, we can talk about one other thing that happens. And I mean, everyone's reunited. Yes. Um, we get a scene about Perrin. We and do. Egwene tells Moraine about Perrin's eyes. Yeah. That is a change that I like. I like that Egwene noticed. Yeah. Like, and noticed enough to tell someone about it. Yeah. Because, like, that was always something that bothered me in the books. It's like, you could obviously, everyone who looks at him is like, his eyes are different. How do you not say anything to anyone? Like, yeah. Egwene's supposed to be smart. <laughs> I understand why Rand doesn't, because he's probably like, uh, one of us is the dragon, so I'm not going to say anything. Right. But, well, like, come on, Egwene. Like, come on, Egwene. you got to have noticed that, like, his eyes went all weird. You've been traveling with him for months. Like, yeah. So I like this change, yeah. that she notices and says something to Moraine. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it, too. So... Now let's talk about the last Swarain scene. This is when... It makes me emotional. It's another ship that's gotten you emotional. So one of the last, like the second to last scene is Moraine getting called back in front of the Amarlin seat to receive her punishment. She is exiled and Swan demands that, that Moraine swears an oath on the oath rod that she will not return unless the Amarlin seat calls for her. Yeah, basically what Swan says is... I will not, I will honor the judgment of the Amarlin seat and not return until it calls me back. Yeah. Otherwise, basically, damn my soul. Yeah. Moraine is like, I will honor Swan Sanchen. And then she goes through all of the... Swan Sanche, not Swan Sanchan. Yeah, Sanche. That's awful. That's awful. Swan... Swan Sanche, daughter of the river, clever as a pike, strong yeah. as the seas or whatever it is. Strong as the tides. Strong as the tides. Which is a weird thing for people on a river to say because rivers aren't particularly known for tides, but it's water but and like, it's tears. She's like tears saying on the ocean these like things that her father, that Swan's father said to her when she left the White Tower. <laughs> and I'm 
can just imagine just being like one of the sitters in this room like, you well, say it saying what? It, she was saying it more quietly. She lowered her voice when she got to the part that deviated. It's a tiny hall and there's so many echoes. Everyone heard yeah. it. Like there's no way no one heard it. That's what I was thinking the first time. But then the second time I, I caught onto the like tonal shift and I actually don't. I think they were trying to get across that she was saying this just to Swan. That's fair. And the whole time, they're, they're, they're holding the oath rod, and they're channeling into it. And, and like, at first, like, their hands aren't touching. And then Swan, Swan like, like adjusts her grip just a little bit, which is just like, oh, but, like, ugh. Just, just to touch Moraine. Yeah. And be in contact with her and give her as much support as she can possibly give her. Which is which nothing is at all. <laughs> and, and the whole time, Moraine is basically giving wedding vows. Because she's like, I will honor you. She says nothing about judgment right. she's like i will trust and honor you and will yeah. not come home until you call me yeah which is just fantastic i loved it so much and they're and both I, like trying not to cry yeah it's just great and they were both doing a really good job at being at the appropriate level of the brink of tears yeah like so when we watched dune <laughs> One of my only complaints with the Dune movie is that Jessica's crying like 90% of the time she's on screen. And that actress did a, did a good job, but she was a little bit on the other side of brink of crying too much. Yeah. And Rosamund Pike and Sophie Okonedo, who is the actress who plays Swan, were on the exact right point where like their eyes were a little bit watery, but, and Moraine's were more so, were more so because... It's harder for her. And she's kind of understandably allowed to also be upset here. Right. This, the Amarillan is not supposed to have favorites. The Amarillan's not supposed to be upset here. Right. But Moraine's getting kicked out of her home and can never return. Right. So, like, Moraine's not you're allowed kicked, to cry. Moraine is not getting kicked out of her home. Moraine is getting separated from the, from her lover. <laughs> To outside observers. To outside observers. To outside, that's what I'm saying. Like, to outside observers, she's getting kicked out of her home forever. She's allowed to be upset. Right. No one knows that they're lovers in the nighttime. No one knows they're lovers, (laughs) except for Lan. Except Um, for Lan. And presumably, if Swan has a warder. Does the Amberlin have a warder? The Amberlin does have a warder in the books. I don't remember what his name is. It's not Tomas, that's Varen. It's not Tomas. Who will exist. We've had confirmation that Varen will exist. Do we have confirmation that Tomas exists? I don't know. If they don't put Tomas. (laughs) Justice for Tomas. Anyway. Although, actually, would him just not even being a character be justice for Tomas? Because no. then Varen doesn't leave him. That's the opposite of justice for Tomas. Anyway, the oaths that they give are interesting because on just two or three different levels. One, it's odd that they're using the oath rod. I don't like it, but it does add, for, for people who already symbolically wear rings, it does add an extra level of symbolism to wedding vows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they got married. That's that's. They got married. They basically got um, married. <laughs> Or at least Maureen Who takes whose last name? Or do they hyphenate? They don't hyphenate. Well, their, their last name is just Sadai at this point. So. That's true. Yeah, actually, because there is a moment where uh, Swan calls Maureen Maureen Damadrid and the rest of the hall is like, ooh, she fucked up. Anyway. Well, she says Lady Maureen Damadrid. I it, think it was more... Du- it's a double hit because you're supposed to abandon your past self when you yeah. become an Aes Sedai. And that includes your last name, especially if it's from a noble house. Yeah. Anyway, so the O's that they give are, one, wedding vows. Um, but two, it is Swan trying to protect Moraine from being exiled forever if Swan is not the Emerald seat forever. 
She's she's guarding against the possibility of her not being the Amberlynn in the future because she, that's a thing she's worried about. Yeah, so she's basically saying a future Amberlynn can call you back. Right. She phrased it as the Amberlynn seat, the position, not any specific woman. Because she said it calls you back, as yeah. meaning like the position, not... Which I wonder if that could potentially mean like the hall. Like if there is no Amberlynn seat, if there is like a period, if there's like a popeless time... <laughs> I wonder if the hall acts. That's my question. See, because I'm thinking of the Amarillo seat as like a pope. So like, usually a pope dies. Pope's gonna step down. But, I mean, but most of the Benedict time. step down. But he is the only one in, mm, like, happens. at least my living memory. Well, yeah, because there's only been two, there's only been three. But, like, it's rare for a pope to step down. Well, basically. yeah, because they're all old men to begin with. So, usually, they just die. Right. And then get... So, like, that's why I'm kind of like... Yeah. What's going to happen to Swan if she's not the Amarillo anyway? Fair. Anyway, it, Swan is leaving room for Moraine to come back in that possibility. Or in that eventuality. Moraine, however, is like, no, I don't want a different Amarillo to tell me to come home. I only want you independent of the Amarillo seat. So, it's... It's both sides. Swan is saying somebody who's not me but is the Amarillo could call me back. And Moraine is saying you, even if you're not the Amarillo, can call me back. Yeah. And she phrases it as home, which is interesting to me. Because so kind of, odes, with, with odes, intent matters. You can't, for instance, you can tell a lie if you don't know that it's a lie. You can't just like, you're, you're not some cosmic arbiter of truth just because you've sworn to never right. tell a lie. Like if an Aes Sedai is colorblind and they say the sky is brown, yeah. they think the sky is right. brown so, because that's what they see. Somebody could say that's a nice green dress you're wearing and and a colorblind eye said I could say that somebody has a nice green dress on and it could be red. Right. Like, like that could happen. Yeah. But it's not a lie because they think that it's the right. truth. So I'm wondering, like, could Moraine return to the tower? She doesn't think it's home. That's true. And the way she phrased it also, it, the thing that makes me think it, she can't at least come home yet, the way she phrased it, Swan is home. Right. So wherever Swan is, is home. And so if she's not, at, she <laughs> has to be in the tower, tower she, she can't, can't go there. Yeah. Because right. Swan but, is home. But there's just so many ways that that could be interpreted. It, it's a, a very clever piece of Aes Sedai wordmanship. Yes. Because home could be the White Tower, home could be Swan, home could be Kyrian. That's where she's from. That's not her home, though. And especially because of something that, that she said last see, last episode when, you know, Lan's like, are you ready to come home? And she's like, it's not home. Right. This saddle, these boots are home. Right. That's just a place that I happen to be. Right. So it's it's interesting and it's... I, I do not like that they used the oath rod for this. I, I, I strongly disagree with it. I love the scene we got out of it. I like the use of the oath rod but I think that's just because I'm looking at it as, like, they basically got married, so there needed to be an... That does help. I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. That helps a lot. Like, it's having a, an oath, like, that's like a... I can't break that. Like, we're right. we're, we're married. Like, <laughs> I have legally bound by the one power said that you are my home and I will honor you. Right. So, yeah. There is... We talked a little bit about the ways. Let's get back to that, because something kind of big happens here, which is that Matt stays behind, and this is the last we will see of Barney Harris as Matt. We think. 
I doubt he's going to come up in episode seven and eight. He might, though. We he don't might. know. I, I doubt it. There ha- because he, it, he will be in episode seven at least for a hot second. In the recap? <laughs> in the recap, and maybe right as the gate's closing. Maybe. Because I think we, like there has to be an answer as to what where he went. What he, I think they're going to yeah. answer that. I think they're going to answer that next season, to be honest. I think they're just going to pick up with him as a different actor. <laughs> and I don't like it. I don't like that Matt stayed behind. No, the end, the end of the episode left it on a bad note for me. Yeah. I don't like the change to the ways. I don't like that Matt stayed behind. I don't like that he just kind of randomly stayed. Like, he didn't, like, make an active choice to stay behind. He didn't leave. He just kind of stood there. I mean, he did say, like, is it too late to change my mind? But then but he, he said, just... He, I thought it was just a, oh, Matt's back. Yeah. But then, but then he, he, just did. he really did change his mind. Like, if you're going to have him stay behind, have him be too ill from, like, have him be recovering from the dagger and too physically unwell to go. But, like, he wasn't because Land's like, well, he's recovered enough that he's drowning himself in morning ale, so. Right. I I just don't. Which, I mean, if you were corrupted by an evil darkness, fair. Yeah. (laughs) I just, I don't like the changes here. I, I need more of an explanation as to the ways. Well, we were starting to get it, but then, you know, Loyal was doing it, so Maureen cut him off and was like, like, you're talking too long. Which, I mean, yeah. Fair. I, I mean, we get some big stuff next episode. I am not prepared. So uh, we can we can do the talking about what's going to happen next episode. They're yeah. in the ways. They're in the ways. Which means, and based on the episode summary, we also get... We get Land backstory. We get Land backstory. And let me just say, if you listened to season one of the podcast, you know how utterly and emotionally wrecked <laughs> I got by just that scene in general. Because... Lan tells Nynaeve his backstory, and then Nynaeve's like, I love you, and then he's like, you can't love me, and then he just says this utterly devastating line. It's going to be way worse seeing that in real life. Especially with Daniel Henney, oh who's God. just doing such a fabulous job. He really is. I like, I'm, I'm, I'm not emotionally prepared to see Daniel Henney deal with Lan's backstory. <sighs> It's going to be great. And there is, like, I do kind of hope that they put the line in there. They need, I think they better. The line is so good. Yeah. Like, I will they hate better. him because we, he is not me, but I will love him if he makes you smile. Yeah. Fucking Lano. We, we got our first The Wheel Weaves as The Wheel Wheels. We did. We finally got one of those. Excellent. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I am not emotionally prepared for that. The other two things, we, we get a little bit of history on the ways. We get land backstory. And we might get who the dragon is. Because it does say the dragon reborn is... Or, or the... The identity of the dragon is revealed. That could mean two things. That could mean two things. It could mean we learn Rand is the dragon. It could mean that they they're just talk about this there. If it's... I'm wondering if they're doing... Um, so we know... The trailer had a scene... The trailer had a scene that we haven't gotten yet with Egwene in a pool. But I think that was just visual effects for been. trailers, which I mean, fair. But there's a scene with what is presumably an Aiel woman fighting somebody in Ileana armor. Yeah, we haven't gotten that yet. We haven't gotten Tam Tam's fever rambles yet. I'm wondering if we get that next episode. I'm wondering if that's how it's revealed. If Moraine reveals to the group the prophecy of Guitar Moroso's uh, foretelling about the dragon being born like in the coal on the slopes of Dragon Mount, and then we get a flashback to Tam fighting a, a pregnant Aiel woman. Yeah. Because that's some shit the Aiel would do. And then it's like, oh, 
fuck, it's Rand. Yeah, and I mean, Rand, I, I think okay I would want some, Rand to have some sort of glimmer of recognition that, oh shit, that's yeah. me. Yeah. Because, like... We, we just really desperately need Rand development. Like, he's the fucking dragon. We however, need, there was... We need him to have some development. He didn't He didn't have that much development in book one. He was dry. We at least He had... wasn't, like, Bella Swan dry, but, like, kind of close. But we at least had his history with Tam and that he liked to read. Like, Rand was... Rand just wanted to be, like, a bookworm shepherd, tending to his sheep. With the really cozy sweater. With the really cozy sweater. Like, we, like we knew... The issue was that Rand knew who he wanted to be and that got upturned so he had to start over so we knew who he was we don't we didn't know who he was going to become completely unrelated but speaking of bookworms guess what loyal has a book elbow and, patches uh, elbow patches yes <laughs> loyal has elbow patches it's amazing and i love it i want to be loyal <laughs> I could never be loyal. My voice isn't that deep. I'm not that big. No. I mean, I'm like 6'2", but like I'm not that big. No. But yeah, loyal has elbow patches and... It's amazing. It's perfect. I, it is perfection. Loyal could be bigger, but friends come in all, all shapes and sizes. So I really just I want, don't care. He's nailed it. I want some it. loyal story time so in the ways. So do I. Loyal is they're 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 you know, nailing loyal in a different way. Egwene's gonna ask him all kinds of questions, and I'm, I'm down just, for it. Yeah, I liked the Egwene stuff that we got. Egwene was like witty and sharp, but eager. Like yeah. Egwene's the most eager of them, which matches what she is in the books. She's eager to learn and be a part of it. And Nynaeve is not about any of this no, shit. No, and it's she's great. Going on with it anyway. No, it's it's just all really good. Uh, it's it just it, the fucking correct the ways. Yeah, I need answers on that. Like, that's just such a foundational shift in the structure of the world. So, recurring segments. I was going to say ship update, but we know what that is. Swan is here. It's real. And it's amazing. Not Swan. Swarain. Swarain is here. It's real. It's amazing. And I cannot wait until I have read enough books to be able to safely look at fan fiction without being worried. <laughs> <laughs> Or safely write fan fiction. That's true. Without with having enough backstory information. Yeah, we'll have to do. I will have to do New Spring. Yeah. New Spring is is Lan and Moraine and Moraine and Swan. And that will be foundational because those would be. That's early early years. I mean, I'm gonna write AU's, but anyway, yeah. that's digressing into. Swarine is the ship update. Swarine is the ship update. It's, it's a, here. It's, it's real. A it's big amazing. Fucking flagship. Um, favorite moment? Favorite moment. Uh, mine is the wedding. <laughs> I'm just going to call it the wedding because it's a wedding. I don't like the oath rod. I love the scene. I think just generally soiree, but <laughs> honorable mention to Loyal's elbow patches. Honorable mention, yes. Glory to the builders and their elbow patches. Episode, Episode rating. Oh, we said that at the same time. <laughs> I am actually going to give this a 10 which is lower than most of the episodes I've given. Because I think that this episode had some really high, high parts, but the things that I didn't like about it leave a sour taste in my mouth that I can't separate. That is fair. I think I think I'm going to give it... I don't do 0.5, so I'm going to round up to a 12. Oh, okay. That's pretty high. Swarine. Swarine is really good. Swarine's so good. And I also liked most of the others up. It's just the end that really left a bad taste in my mouth. See, but, like, it's not even that bad of a taste, so... It's pretty bad for me. And, like, if That's I were... That's fair. If, like, like, if it were a dish that I were eating and the last bite I put in my mouth was bad, the whole dish is going to be bad for me. 
If it were food, I can agree with that. But it's not food. That's so, true. And, like, we all know that my motivations are much different than yours and mine. That's true. Is love. Yes. And we do not get enough sapphic relationships in media. So, like, no. I'm just going to be grabby hands for all of the story and content. The books aren't going to help you there. The show is definitely going to help you there. The show is as gay as the books want to be. I just, I'm going to, I'm grabby hands for the swearing. Yeah. So this was episode six, The Flame of Tarvalin. Episode seven, Nearing the End. The Next Dark week. Along the Ways. We're going to imagine Shin. I kind of hope it's a bottle episode. I think it might be. Unless they get through the whole thing fast and get to Faldara like partway through, but I don't think they're going to. No, I kind of want a bottle episode. Yeah. It feels like it's the right time. Yeah. Like it, it like they could develop, they could develop Rand in a bottle episode. Yeah. He's the only one of the characters there that actually really needs it. Yeah. Loyal doesn't need it because he's an ogier and so they're, they're like different enough. I could go on for way too long about this and I have to edit this episode at some point. <laughs> so we're going to call it there. Next week, episode seven, second from last, The Dark Along the Way. Bye. Bye.